Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson, and here we are for the 117th time sharing stories and discussing running in faith once again joining me is run for god founder mitchell hollis thanks for having me dean is it 117 or 118 118 117 is it 118 i think it's 118 no maybe it is i think it is i might have messed up there huh i'm pretty sure it is i'll have to look it up and see but hey it's one something we'll get it right We'll get it right by the time this gets to uh, be official. Yeah. I'm sure. So you took some vacation time recently. I did. So yeah, my fun? in-laws, they live down in Mexico Beach, Florida. You know, when people say, where'd you go? And I say Mexico Beach. And they're like, oh, like it's some Caribbean island. I'm like, no, it's in the panhandle of Florida. But it's still a beautiful place. It's it's one of those towns that um, it's about 80 miles east of Panama City. But it's like a world away as far as the atmosphere. You know, Panama City is all about the commercialism glitz and glamour and mexico beach is a fishing town yeah. well i say that it's slowly starting to change you know it's where the hurricane michael yeah and that was ground zero so right. it wiped out a lot of the town um so now that they're building back it's a little more commercialized but they did something years ago they put a height restriction in place so nothing can be over four stories okay so you don't have the huge you know complexes like they do in, in some of the other towns so yeah it's a it was a cool week we yeah. just uh, go down there and and fish and eat good food and relax lay low yeah 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 that's always good for sure yep all right so this week um we did we we you were gone for a whole week yeah i was busy with some other stuff and we didn't miss a single podcast it's kind of like magic how that happens isn't it yeah. Isn't that great? You know, I listened course. to Angie's podcast. Yeah. And uh, she did a great job. Didn't she? She did a great She's, job. Now, if you're out there listening, you know, Angie comes in and fills in sometimes, but we love to have other people. I I, do, yeah. I never mind taking a back seat because yeah. I love hearing other people's stories. Right. And especially when they come in here live. You know, we talk about other people's stories every week on here. But, yeah, if you've got a story and you're going to be around the North Georgia area and you want to share it live, you want to come right here in this studio and – and sit with Dean, then just let us know. Yeah. Uh, that's really all it takes. We don't have a big application process. Um, it can it's happen not pretty intimidating. Quick. It's pretty relaxed. It's, yeah. I promise you, within five minutes, you're so relaxed. It's no big deal. It's like a conversation. Most people that come on here and do it do it better than we do. Yes, so, right. You know, that's, that's saying right. something. But uh, sure. hey, before we get started, let's talk about this week's sponsor. Um, again, if you are interested in becoming a sponsor, a supporter of Run for God, and allowing us to support you as well, uh, send an email to runlanehollis at gmail.com. But this this week's sponsor is Superior Plumbing and Electric. Uh, Superior Plumbing and Electric has the best service for all your plumbing and electrical needs. They do commercial, industrial, and residential. They service Calhoun and all surrounding areas right here in North Georgia. You can find them on Facebook at Superior Plumbing and Electrical Systems, Inc. today. Uh, see these guys just about every day. Um, some of the best plumbing and wiring guys that I know of, and uh, I highly recommend them. 
Well, yeah, I probably needed them at my house. You know, I, I've been, I, I had a, a plumbing issue and uh, it's just, it's copper pipe and I know how to, you know, how to sweat up a, a copper joint and I, I know how to do that. Famous last words. Yeah, except that I've got one where it's it's in a really tough spot to get to. Yeah. And I can't, I, I can't do it. I've done it. I've tried it four times. I haven't gotten it right yet. It leaks every time. Yeah. Mm. So uh, I probably need them to come out there just to make one joint and isn't it crazy how they come out and they just make it look so easy oh, yeah. i mean something like that they'll probably literally be there five minutes yeah and, i'll never forget and then they'll hand you a bill and you're like oh, i could have done that but the problem is you didn't do that yeah you know so i'll never forget one time i, I i've done my own sheetrock work a fair amount mm. and i kind of enjoy sheetrock work i don't see how yeah i kind of i kind of like it there's a little bit of an art to sheetrock work but you know, it takes some time to do it right, unless you do it all the time. So I had a, a friend of my brother's did it for a living, and he just wanted some vacation. And so I had three rooms of sheetrocking that needed to be done down in South Georgia when I was down there. And I remember going to work and coming back from work, and it was done. <laughs> I was like, holy smokes, that would have taken me two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good stuff. Those guys are always good. How about a Facebook post from this week? From uh, Michelle Palma Stover. Great Saturday morning. If someone told me five months ago that for $7 a month, I would be able to run six miles without stopping, I'd have laughed skeptically. Today, I just did run six miles without stopping. It's week six, day four of the 10K training. I ran carrying God's banner of love as a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. It's the best investment I've ever made. Have a blessed weekend. I love that saying. Isn't that a song? It is a song. It is a song, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't remember who it is, but trying to tell everybody. I probably shouldn't oh, Dane, sing. We, you yeah. really shouldn't We shouldn't do here. that, we, yeah. That, that'll be bad. That'll be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's we see this all the time, people who don't think they can, and they, they talk about how at one time in my life I never would have thought I could, and then they do. And it's there's nothing more satisfying. You can't satisfying. do anything until you do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really that simple. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. And sometimes it's just a matter of trying it. Yeah. We're so scared to try things, aren't we? Yeah. And that's if, if we'll just get out of our comfort zone and just try stuff. Well, I say we are. I, I've, I don't think You're either not, one of us no. are scared to try many things. I'll try just about anything at yeah. once. Yeah. Uh, once. Some yeah. things it, it ended at once. Yeah. Some things it ended badly at once. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. We probably we don't, don't want to go in any of those. Go there. Yeah. But uh but yeah. Um yeah, there's something to be said about, you know, folks who are willing to to step out of their comfort zone. It's it's something we all need yeah. to do from time to time. We need to be smart about what those things are. Yeah. Um but yeah, running is one of those. Yeah. A lot of people think they can't. Mm-hmm. And the truth is they can for the vast majority of people. Now there are people out there who they can't. Yeah. And, um, but for the vast majority of people, they absolutely can. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way she makes reference to the value that she gets from Unclub, too, because every once in a while, not very often, every once in a while, we get somebody who complains it's just too much money. And it's like, this is a bargain. Yeah. This is an absolute bargain being part of Run Club and um, getting everything that you get through Run Club. So, um, yeah, I like that she points that out. So, so you brought that up. I'm just gonna. I want to give everybody an update. You've heard us talk about in the past couple of weeks. Um, 
the new website. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new website is coming along. I mean, it's in, it's incredible where technology is now. That just a few years ago when we started Run Club, it wasn't there. Um, and so, I mean, everything everything that you, you've come accustomed to, plus a whole lot more, is going to be on this new website. So we still don't have a launch date. If I had to put my finger in the air, wet my finger and put it in the air, I want to say it's going to be within the next 60 days. Uh, but we will be getting a lot of information out to everybody. It's going to require a little bit of work on everybody's part because you'll have to update your account information, create a new password, all those types of things. Yeah. But we're going to try to make it as seamless as possible. Um, and I think everybody's going to love it. Yeah. I mean, the the user experience side of it is just incredible. Not to say, not to mention, we're, we're bringing back all the instructor tools which so many people have, um, that's been one of the complaints that when we went to this new system that we kind of dropped uh, a lot of the coaching and instructor experience, which yeah. we did it for what we thought was a good reason. It was, it, I mean, our hearts were right, but yeah. we, we found out pretty quick that that was the wrong move. Um, well, we didn't that is just, a huge part of what we do still. And, and we tried to find a way to make that work, but it just, it just wasn't workable with what we were using. And now we have a resource that we can use where we sure. can bring that stuff back with no yeah. problem and then the social media side uh we're, we're, we're gonna have run club social um which is just a, a game changer in so many ways but just being able to do everything from one app all the way from watching or listening to the podcast you'll be able to do it from the app you'll be able to get on run club social from the app you'll be able to get on whatever challenge you're doing from the app You'll be able to check on, if you're a coach, check on who's signing up from your classes on the app. So just so many tools, but it's it's a ton of work. Uh, yeah. Like I said, we've talked about this before. We didn't realize how much content we had yeah. until we started trying to move it all over. And it's um, so it takes a long time. We're going to make sure it's right, solid, you know, bulletproof before we release it. So, uh, but yeah, just stay tuned. We'll be getting more information out and talking about it more as we go along but we're uh we're excited about yeah, it yeah yeah it's very exciting very exciting we had a trivia question last week and the trivia question was this name the event that had the largest number of participants ever for an official road race um i'll bet you didn't know the answer to this one <laughs> no yeah <laughs> it really surprised me yeah so the the, the number surprised me yeah the number is crazy right yeah so the 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 participation number is one hundred and sixteen thousand and eighty six people. A hundred and sixteen thousand. That's like the largest, probably the largest um, attendance at a college football game is probably somewhere right in this neighborhood within a thousand. Who would hold probably. that? Michigan, Michigan. Michigan hold that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's right around this number. So uh, just think about that. That's An crazy. entire stadium full of people. Uh, the largest stadium ever, and it was called. Uh, a run for the Pasig River. Now, I'm, the Pasig River apparently is in Manila, the Philippines, and that's where this took place. It took place in 2010, and so it, it's been a while. 
Um, I think they still have this race, but they don't have as many people in it. I don't know what happened that particular year to have so many people, but it was a lot. Um, another race that's really, really big, and I remember this back when I was young and really following running closely as a youngster, I remember um, Beta Breakers. Beta Breakers was an interesting race because it had a professional side to it where they had it was a prestigious race to win on the professional side, but it also had a lot of craziness in it too. So Beta Breakers, a lot of people dress up in costumes for Beta Breakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they even have their own, um, like I think they call it the centipede division, where you can dress up and it's a bunch of people in a row that dress up in one costume that's long. Uh, I mean, they, they just have all sorts of things at uh, at the Beta Breaker. So, and, at, you know, that's kind of what you'd expect in yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. So that's where Beta Breakers is. Uh, but the largest crowd they ever had was 110,000 back in 1986. Uh, they don't get that many these days, but uh, that was that was kind of right in the middle of what the running. What kind of, of course holds 110,000 people? Well, Beta Breakers is a point-to-point course. So it starts on one side of San Francisco, runs through San Francisco, and then finishes at the basically at the beach. So uh, that that it's a little bit easier to do. You just got to find two two places to to house that many people but it's <laughs> that's a lot of people it is a lot of people that sounds like a nightmare to me <laughs> and then the third is uh cursa el corte ingles from in barcelona spain uh, 109,000 people uh in 1994 um another one from i can't even know how to say it brolopet uh in um Sweden had a 92,000 people. City to Surf in Sydney, Australia, 86,000 people. Um, the Royal Run, another one in uh, Denmark uh, for 82,000 people. Uh, one in the Netherlands has 74,000 people. Uh, just, I think what's really cool about this list of the largest races is that you realize just how 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 much the world universal how universal running is. Yeah, and then the Hong Kong the Hong Kong Marathon had seventy three thousand people. That's amazing to have seventy three thousand people in a marathon. Mm-hmm. That's a long race to have that many people. Now they do have uh, some other distances there too, though. Uh, Round the bays in New Zealand, uh, J.P. Morgan Corporate Challenge in Germany. Um, the Lilac Bloomsday race is a big race. I remember that one way back in the day, too, in the 80s when I was... Um, now, back up. Why, why does J.P. Morgan's corporate challenge, why is it in Germany? Aren't they an American company? They are. That's strange. Yeah. You think their yeah. corporate but, challenge would be in America? I would say there's probably a J.P. Morgan corporate challenge in America, too. It's just it bigger just in hasn't Germany. caught up okay. on... That's a like lot of the, people. Yeah, it is a lot of people. Um, but... But I uh, wonder if that's just the... They, they're probably, are they the sponsor? Probably. Like the title sponsor of a big race? I would guess. Okay. I would guess so. Uh, and then Beirut, Lebanon, 60,000 people. Uh, Vancouver, Canada, um, 89,000 people. I'm not sure why that one was listed here and not further up. Uh, there's one another one in Sweden, 
a lot of stuff going on in Scandinavia there with 59,000 people. And then the Peachtree Road Race is number 15. Of course, that's the closest one to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says 58,000 people. Now, my understanding was with Peachtree is that the ca- they cap it at 60,000 every year. And it sells out every year. And it sells out every year. Yeah, I and so I guess 58,000, I guess that's because not everybody shows up. 2,000 don't show up. Yeah. That, that sounds like a reasonable number of people to, to not show up. Yeah, that, I, I ran that race once and checked it off my list. It's actually the first race I ever ran. Yeah. And I checked that puppy off my list because that's too many people. That's a lot of people. Too tight of quarters. Yeah. Now, if you're up, you know, you're probably one of those that submits your seed time and you get up there with all the pros. and, But I was, you know... 38,000 people deep <laughs> it's a lot of walking that first mile or two miles it's you're just trying to, i mean the peachtree road race if you're if you're back where i am you're you're not running a 10k you're running a 15k yeah you're, you're weaving trying yeah. to get around people the first yeah. two miles it's true so uh well yeah. have i ever have i never told you about getting into the elite field at peachtree so I think you have. So yeah. So at Peachtree, I, I I looked at the times at the Masters runners. The over forty folks were running, and I thought I'm in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote to them and I said, I would love to be considered to be an invited Masters runner for Peachtree. And uh, and they said I, I gave them. I think I had run thirty four thirty six. I think was the the ten k time that I had run at this time. And they said we need you to run. 3410 or better you need to run under 3410 is what they said and so i picked out a race where i was this was going to be my goal and i found a nice flat race in rome the you know the berry race is really flat i do remember this and uh, and i decided that i was going to go run that race and i had to run under 3410 well i get out first mile perfect i'm just i'm right on pace i'm right where i need to be the whole race i get down and getting into that when i hit five miles it was getting really really hard and i knew i was gonna have to hoof it for that last last bit and the, the up the finish is a little bit uphill and so I, I hit six miles and i thought whoa i gotta get it for this last point too and so i ran and i'm looking at the clock as i'm getting closer and i'm getting closer and i'm getting closer i'm right there and i'm watching that clock it's over 34 minutes it's 34 and i'm sprinting for all i've got and just before i hit the line the clock changed to 34 10 and i thought oh my goodness i can't believe i just missed it by one second and i was just i was just completely just torn up and i thought well maybe they'll accept me anyway i'm close and but then i looked down i had stopped my watch and i looked down and my watch said 3402 and i thought Huh. Well, that's interesting. I wonder what happened there. And turns out the clock was wrong, and I had actually run thirty four oh one. So, uh, so I got in. I, I I sent them an email, and they they I, that's for, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Yeah, in ten minutes. That just like that. Yeah. yeah, with ten minutes, it was like thirty seconds. Yeah. yeah. And uh, anyway, so I got in, I got to be an invited runner, which was really cool because I got to you know, I got to warm up and stuff with the Kenyans and all that kind of stuff. It was really neat. Yeah, really that neat. Would be pretty cool. Different culture. There's so different they're so laid back before a race you know people think about the the kenyans they run so well and they do but they are so laid back they don't care they just yeah their warm-up is you know jogging at 10 minute pace i mean was it yeah it was ryan hall talked about he said that you know he goes to a lot of these professional races and and afterwards you can you can tell how the westerners did you know the the people from America because it's just written all over their face. They're mad or they're crazy happy or 
or whatever but the the people from africa and places like that you can't tell yeah i mean they could have won the race and their their demeanor is no different than if they completely bombed the race yeah the race is over we're moving on let's let's sit around and chat <laughs> That's an excellent, excellent uh, lesson That's for, a lesson all, for of us. all of us Westerners. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No kidding. Yep. So, yeah. So that, now up in Ohio, the Peachtree Road Race is a 10K race, and there aren't a ton of 10K races these days. There are still a fair amount out there, but not as many as there used to be. 10K used to be a really popular distance. The half marathon has been has become a really huge distance now. Um, but up in Ohio, I remember when I went up there, they had quarter marathons. And that's really you hear strange. That. Yeah. yeah. Is that is that the same thing as a mini marathon? You hear people say mini marathon. I don't uh, know what that is. I think mini marathon can be a half marathon. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a weird distance, 6.55 miles for uh, for a quarter marathon. So Yeah. Um, of course, I never liked that. I never liked the term half marathon personally. Yeah, because I don't know. It just seems weird. Half marathon, you know. Yeah. The, the, I don't know. Yeah, should just be a thirteen mile race or something. I don't know. It's, yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of ten k, we yeah we got we a got pretty one. cool one coming up. We do July the sixteenth in Cartersville, Georgia. We've got the Run for God Hawkins Fund Fund Razor. See what they did there? Yeah, it's supposed to be fun. But, um, and it will be. Yeah, y'all talked about it. You and Angie talked about it on the podcast. We've been talking about it some. We're really going to start promoting it more uh, as of this when this launches. Um, it kind of fits into our schedule for promotions. But, yeah, this is, um, this is a really cool race. Now, Angie and Patrick, they're putting a lot of work into it that – that we didn't necessarily want them to do, you know, they, yeah. they, but they want to make it great for everybody. But we loved how it was last year. Yeah. You show up, you got a chalk line across the sidewalk yeah. and you go run through some of the most beautiful country in the country, yeah. side farms and cows. And, yeah. um, but yeah, they're, they're putting a little more oomph behind it this year. But, uh, the cool thing about it, it's free. It's a fundraiser for run for God that they're doing. So you can sign up and you can register so that you can, create a fundraiser of your own uh and try to raise money for the race and i think they have some milestones that you get some goodies if you hit certain milestones um but it's just uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a cool race and and these two their heart for this ministry is just you know they were actually up here this past weekend angie helps us out some with the the social media and the packing stuff when we get real busy and they've just got a heart for this ministry and i think they've pulled in a couple other run club members to help out with it so they're really putting their heart and soul into it and and i hope that everybody will get behind it um, because yeah. they put a lot of work into it and angie is such an incredible cheerleader yeah uh, for is. everybody in run club That's let's right. uh let's pay it back to them absolutely if your teen is into rock and metal music that makes your ears bleed and your grandmother clutch her pearls we can help if your spouse yearns for music from the old days and wants to relive the music of their glory years we can handle that if you need a break from the day to spend time with god and recognize his goodness we'd love to be a part of that whether it's rock and metal classic songs from decades past or heartfelt worship music j radio has you covered sign up for an account at jradio.com and download the app in your app store to start listening for free today
Okay, Dean, so we're back, and, and I forgot to mention something, and I'll be shot if I don't mention it. Cool. Gay and we don't Holly will absolutely kill me. But we now have, and if you've been on the the uh, store or you've probably gotten an email about it this time, we have the Run for God Boulder Athletics running skirts. Obviously, they're women's running skirts. But... um Holly and Gay and I think Angie actually helped them some of the design. These are, um, I feel weird talking about running skirts because I know nothing about them, but evidently these are, a lot of the Run Club members already wear this brand because it's such a high quality brand. Yeah. Uh, I know uh, when we were down at Disney, several of the ladies had them on there, but um, Holly and Gay have been working with Boulder Athletics and coming up with a custom Run for God design. It's got the logos on it. It's got all the cool colors in it and they actually matched all the colors in the skirts to the shirts that we offer the tanks and the tees and so all of it matches with the current run for god gear you might have but um evidently i've never put one on that would be weird if i put one on but <laughs> evidently they're comfortable uh they're fashionable um and the ladies love them yeah so uh, those are on the website now you've probably already got an email about them um and uh yeah go check those out because um it's it's a very different product than we've ever offered it's a it's a great partnership that we formed with boulder boulder athletics and uh yeah go check them out it's it's just it's the run for god ladies skirt it's just one more thing i mean we you talked about the, the the amount of content we have a lot of the things we just keep getting getting a little bit bigger and a little bit broader yeah well i mean we, we listen to what yeah. people say and this is one of the things we kept hearing That's more true. and more we can't we can't do everything we hear obviously uh but when we start picking up patterns yeah. that you know we hear it more than one time from more than one place you know it's, it's the same thing with the the whole instructors coaching platform on our website you know we we, we don't know some of these things unless people tell us yep and uh we do listen and so, yeah, if you've got suggestions and things that you would like to see, shoot us a message and, and let us know, because um, there's a chance we might we might actually do it. For sure. All right. So I ran the Chattanooga Chase recently. Have you ever run that race? I've never you've run never that. Run, I've you? heard. Is that the one that's it's 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 like it's uphill the, and downhill? Yeah. The first mile is flat. Second mile is slightly uphill. Third mile is all uphill and relatively steep. And then the fourth mile is all downhill. Mm-hmm. Pretty steep. And then the fifth mile is relatively flat. Good finishing. leg trasher. Oh, my goodness. It'll just tear your legs to mm-hmm. pieces. It, my legs get trashed almost as much as a marathon. Um, yeah, from, from running it's just 8k it's yeah. you know it's it's a short race but my goodness those downhills are just brutal i i ran here's what i'm here with my splits my splits for my third and my fourth mile were 710 and 457 <laughs> the final uphill and then turn around and come downhill yeah, yeah 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 i mean just that's just crazy but what's crazy is that i'm sure that I ran a race one time called the Downhill at Dawn. It was a half marathon oh, down a mountain. That had to be brutal. And yeah, I mean, I was, I say smoking fast. You would probably laugh at the time. I don't even remember what it was. I want to say it was like 138, 140, something. I don't remember. Um, it was in my faster days. But I, I hurt for weeks yeah. after that race because it just absolutely destroys your legs coming mm-hmm. down those hill and i think i know where the downhill is in chattanooga and it's 
that's a pretty yeah. that's a pretty steep grade there yeah it um, is so yeah so how did you do but it's fine it's fine um i finished 22nd yeah but in the age graded race i finished first yeah so that's my yeah you know, high five <laughs> That's my goal these days, you know, is Beat the I, old guys. That's one of the things that I like about the Chattanooga Track Club is they they put age graded results after every race they they give the age graded results. Oh age grade. Age graded results. Age group. Okay. No, no, no. So, yeah. so they, they handicap you. Yeah, basically. yeah. So basically they they the age grading is they compare your time to the world record for your age. And so every year, uh, and then it's it's a percentage. So they say anything above 70% is considered what they call regional class, mm-hmm. like southeastern region. Anything above 80% is, is national class, one of the best in the country. And then anything above 90% is, is world class. And so um, in this race. So world class, I guess? No, in this race, it was 85. Okay. Which is, but that was the best uh, in the race. I mean, Dean, come on now. So you, uh, you got to pick it up. I have, I've run three races in the nineties over the past uh, year and a half. Yeah. And so, um, that's the, that was the first time I'd ever run a race in the nineties. But it also doesn't account for that hill. No, no, that's, yeah, it's just, so, that's for that distance. So right, it's so a slower distance, race. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. We'll give you a pass. Then. I actually did score in the nineties for an eight K um, year before last, when I set the record for the 5K, that next week I ran an 8K, and so yeah. But so I had was, it been a flat course, you might have been a little closer. I might have been, yeah. I should well, I would have been, but yeah. I don't know how of course, much. You still got that four something downhill. Huh? That, yeah, that comes into play. Yeah, that helps. Know. That yeah. helps. I'll, I'll never be that fast. But then they have two hours after the 8K, they have a one mile race. And so I signed up ahead of time because you know I'm, I want to do this 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 uh, steeplechase in mm-hmm. July. And I know I need some strength for that. And I knew that running those hills and then running as hard as I could in a mile afterwards was going to be really good for building strength. But I'll tell you this, after running that 8K, I was really kicking myself for signing up for that mile. <laughs> so the steeplechase you want to do, is that the, the NC, or not NCAA? USATF. Uh, USATF Nationals. Yeah. Yeah. Where is it this year? It's in Lexington, Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that'd be nice and cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, but so I ran the I ran the I also won the age graded competition in the mile as well. So good job, uh, Dean. So yeah, and won the. I'll, uh, I'll just live vicariously through you. That's cool. That's so, cool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it's one of those things where a lot of times you know we talk all the time about signing up for a race, um, even if you don't you're not sure you want to do it and it'll get you motivated. Well. It was good that I signed up for that ahead of time. Yeah. If I waited till that day, I probably wouldn't have signed up for it. Because you didn't feel right. like it. Yeah. And I'm a cheapskate, so I won't yeah. just throw that money away. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we have a, you know, we've talked about stories. We need to hear more stories. We had a big influx of stories there for a couple of weeks, and then it's cooled back off again. So don't forget, we still need your story if you haven't submitted it yet. So dread. Dread, that's not an emotion that we talk about much, but it is real. Um, It was real when I ran that mile, I can tell you that. But Rhonda Williams is sharing a story about a much deeper, more important kind of dread. So this comes, again, from Rhonda Williams, one of our favorite, and it's, Oh, how I dread it. I feel an intense sense of dread in the weeks leading up to major heart surgery, or felt, sorry. I wasn't worried about dying. 
I knew that I was going to live because God had told me so. But I also knew that it was going to be the hardest thing I had ever had to endure. I dreaded waking up on a ventilator with my hands tied down, unable to speak or breathe on my own. That's terrifying for someone who is claustrophobic. I dreaded not being able to communicate my needs to the nurses in my family. I dreaded the pain and the feeling of helplessness I was sure I would feel. This feeling of dread lasted for several weeks, and I prayed several times that God would take this cup from me so I would not have to go through such a difficult experience. But God said no. This was something I would have to do. Through this experience, I got just an inkling of what Christ must have felt in the days leading up to his crucifixion. The book of Matthew records his distress in chapter 26. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Matthew 26, 37 and 38 uh, that's Mark, Matthew 26, 37 and 38. The dread I felt was heavy. And there were days that it was, it was all I could think about. So I can't even imagine how heavy that burden must have been for him. There are some big differences in his experience and mine. The surgery I was facing was to save my life. Jesus willingly laid his down. The procedure was necessary to repair a defect in my heart. Jesus had no defect and died to repair the one in human hearts. The people performing the surgery and caring for me afterward actually cared about me and wanted to help me. Jesus faced hatred and betrayal even from those who loved him. I had no choice. I had to have the surgery if I wanted to live. But Jesus did have a choice and he chose to take all my sins and yours upon himself so we would so we wouldn't have to or so we would have the right to become children of God that's John 1:12 my situation was all about me but Jesus made his sacrifice all about us my surgery went really well and I had a very good outcome but Jesus performed an even more miraculous surgery on my heart when he went to that cross and bore the penalty of my sins. And now I have the greatest outcome of all, salvation. I have nothing to dread any longer. Hmm. What a great picture and great story and contrast. Yeah, I like how she contrasted that there yeah. um, with what God did, what Jesus did. For us, I mean that that'll ring your bell. Yeah, it really will. Yeah, and can you imagine the dread? I mean, you, you've read everybody. You know, probably if you're listening to this, you've probably read the account mm-hmm. where it talks about him sweating drops of blood and the 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 anxiety of having to go through that of literally not having to go through that, but right. go but choosing to go through that is just is crazy. Yeah, and I always get you know. It kind of rings your bell when you when you read the account in the Garden of Gethsemane when, you know, we get hung up on the, the fact that he, he came back and every time his disciples were sleeping. You know, we can we kinda we kinda park there, but I, I I tend to go back that the reason you, you hear that account is because he went and prayed and he was walking back and then he went back to pray. And then he went back to pray again. And it doesn't really it doesn't really talk about what he says that second and third time, but I can only imagine it's something to the effect of God, are you sure? 
Are you yeah. sure you're not going to take this from me? And because yeah. why else would he go back the second and third time? Yeah. Um, and it's just it's I, I don't know it 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 really shakes you up when you really hear it vividly talked about like that. It's just it makes you pinch yourself that God did this for us. Yeah, I think too that that whole idea of going back again. I hadn't really thought about that, but the first thing that strikes me is he's he's going back because of how hard it is. Mm-hmm. He's got to he's he needs more strength to get through it. And so he goes back to to get more strength from his father to mm-hmm. to get through that because it was that hard for him. Yeah. Um and here you know here's the you know I mean it's Jesus. He can yeah. do anything. Yeah. And it was still that hard for him. He was obedient. Yeah. Wow. Scripture passage 1. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Again, that's Matthew twenty six thirty seven and 38. And we know that prayer in the garden. And just like you just said, we've talked about before about how the disciples kept falling asleep. Um, but Jesus... That dread, that dread was so real. And the thought of it, (laughs) there's just no way us as humans could go through what he went through and do that willingly. And it's even harder to describe. You can't describe it, what it must have felt like. Well, and I I think about this and I draw some parallels to some things that are going on in the world today. And, you know, we don't. We don't get political on here, and we don't want to get political. Um, but I think about us taking a stand on things, and I see a lot of bad things that are going on in the world that wouldn't be going on if all people who said they were Christians would take a stand. Us included. Us included. Yeah. Yes, we're we're all guilty of it, and it. We have a tendency to say, well, I don't want to hurt so-and-so by not patronizing a place, for example. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want, you know, the, the, it wasn't the, the people who worked there, it wasn't their fault. The problem is, is that we're going to continue to go down a path unless we take a stand. And that's what Jesus was, Jesus was taking, a, he, was, he was putting a halt to things. Mm-hmm. He was saying, we're going to change the outcomes of people's lives by doing something that's really hard. And for a lot of us, me included we need to take a stand on some things and um, yeah it's funny when you said that it it just triggered you know i I always like to and i've done it many times here on the podcast compare our relationship and and things that we talk about to our relationship with our kids and you know how many times have we we disciplined our kids and it affected us you know, mm-hmm. yes, emotionally, we none of us like as much as our kids would probably argue with us. None of us like to discipline our kids. Yeah, you know, but how how many times have we 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 discipline our kids and it and it hurts us, but we do it anyway because we know it's for their good. And right. I I have to feel that that's kind of the agony that Jesus was going through. Only only he was punishing him himself. Yeah, for the greater good, and it's just all those layers of, you know, he was punishing himself for something we did. Um, you know, it he was at no fault. He never sinned. There, there was all of these excuses that 
we many times give that he didn't give, which shows why he's Jesus and why we should follow his lead in every one of those circumstances. Yeah. Because I don't know, I just, sometimes I get hung up on that prayer in the garden because yeah. it really shows the human side of who he was. Yeah. Um, and that he was dreading it. He knew the outcome. He knew what was going to happen three days later. Yeah. But that doesn't make it any easier. We know that when we discipline our kids, we know the outcome, but that doesn't make it any easier. When Jesus wept, you know, he knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but that didn't make it any easier in the time. And so that's it's just a model for us of how we need to have that kind we need to have those kind of optics. Yeah. Of don't look at the here and now. Look at look at what's going to come from it. But we're so guilty of being like the disciples. The disciples just didn't really feel the gravity of the situation mm-hmm. at the time. And I think that's what we do a lot of times, um, particularly at the point where, you know, b- before we 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 get that relationship with Christ, we we just look at things so flippantly and so unseriously. Well, we put ourselves in a position to where we don't feel the gravity. Yeah. Um, you know, back in back in biblical times when they when they sacrificed animals you know they they put their hand on their head so that they they felt the gravity they felt the life go out of the animal and it and it made them understand the penalty of sin Mm. it made them feel it physically but so many times we we put things in place to we don't we don't feel the penalty yep and that's how we become flippant as you said Mm -hmm. as a society because we're we're taking away those opportunities for us to feel the gravity yeah. uh, and and we we numb ourselves with entertainment and media and we never get that time alone and let jesus let god really convict our hearts because we don't want to feel that because yeah. it's not comfortable but it's necessary we do the same thing in running too yeah you know we, we avoid the the hard stuff right because we don't want to go out and do that he'll work out because that's going to hurt yeah um, even though it's going to it's, it's going to make results. us better. Sure. Uh, we, we don't want to do it. And d- again, guilty. Yeah. <laughs> guilty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another scripture passage, John 1, 12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's the good news. It's a great promise. That's the good news. The great promise. Yep. Um, yeah. And we, we can talk about all the negative negativity of the stuff that we have, but God, we still have this right, mm-hmm. and it's a right that nobody can take away from us. Um, and when the world is going crazy, um, we always have this to hang our hat on to we're, be assured we're by. Kind of like Jesus in the garden in this way. Yeah, we, we know the end game. Yeah, we know the results. That's, so yeah. we we do have that in common with him. There, uh, he he knew what was coming, but he knew the end game. We we know what's coming in this life, but we know the end result. But it still doesn't make it easy. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That whole that whole first chapter of uh John one is just is a is a magical chapter mm-hmm. to me, uh, just to read it. It's so reassuring. 
Another passage from John three sixteen through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. The one who believes in him is not judged. The one who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. You know, I think I think when you read it like that, when you read the full context of that verse, it 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 rebuts some of the things you hear in our society. That why why would a loving God send mm-hmm. people to hell? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the wrong way to ask that question because this, the question is out of context anyway. But the fact is, we're condemned to hell. Right. So, how glorious is it that a loving God would give an opportunity to save us from hell? is the right way to frame that but and so many times we look at it on the other side of that and that's that's not how it is yeah We're, we are all condemned to hell jesus gives us a way out and how simple is it is that way out too mm-hmm. you know that's the other thing about that again you're talking about why why would a loving god do well why if god wasn't loving if God really wanted to make us work for this, then he could have done that. Mm-hmm. But instead, he made it really simple. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that simplicity takes carries a lot of responsibility and things with it. And we don't want to get into the, you know, works versus faith kind of. We don't want to get into all that discussion. We've been in that one several times. But um, it is very simple. Mm-hmm. And all we have to do is believe. Yeah, I mean, we're going through Romans as a family right now. And yeah. That's, that's what it talks about. Paul's trying to get the point across that it's. It's faith, mm-hmm. period. The, the works are, are the result of faith, but it's, it's faith is what saves us, and it really is that simple, just like you said. Uh, a loving God made it simple for us because <laughs> we need simplicity. We do. We do. Uh, yeah, and we talk, this whole story is about dread mm-hmm. and I honestly don't understand how people who don't have Christ get through tough times because of the dread they have to feel through those tough times and how much easier it is to bear that dread mm-hmm. when you do have Christ and you do understand the end game makes such a difference. But why 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 is it Dean that we we put things we allow things to consume us and we dread it so I had this conversation with my two boys just a few nights ago, you know, during the summer, they have two chores that they don't have year round. But in the summer, they have them. One is uh, we have like the the rose bushes around our house, and they have to deadhead the roses, meaning you clip off the dead parts, and they have to pull weeds. And Lane, he'll tell you, he said, "I dread this every year. It's like the worst thing. You know how dramatic he is. Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst thing ever on the face of the earth." And I said, really? It's that bad? Why not trying to figure out how to change your perception? You know, we say it a lot. It's kind of a cliche, but you get to deadhead and pull weeds. Some people can't do that. Some people, for whatever reason, they're not able to do that. Some people would love to be able to get outside and do that, be in nature. Or to even just have those roses. Or even even have those roses. But we all do that. Mm-hmm. We have these menial tasks that sometimes God just, hey, Mitchell, why don't you do this? And by the end of the day, we have it up as this 
God's just asking the impossible. I can't just I can't do that. And we psych ourselves out and he may be just asking us to say hello to somebody. Yeah. But I, I don't know why I don't know why we do that. I don't yeah. I don't understand that. But if we can ever if we could come up with a pill that would take that kind of thinking out, we we would be gazillionaires. Yeah. That's um, true. But I but we, we do it. Yeah. But to your point in many other podcasts before, the more you practice not allowing that to happen the better at it you can that's right yeah that's a good point here's a question when was the last time you felt dread and how did you deal with it <laughs> this is a very simple one here but last week um we we have been trying to we've been working on it. we our deck is falling apart and so we've been needing to work on it for a long time and i've been trying to find somebody to work on it and everybody's just too busy mm-hmm. right now and so we decided okay we're going to, have to do it ourselves so we got all the materials to do it ourselves so debbie and i are doing it and um, we're, we're working on it together and i i we she doesn't realize that i enjoy that because because i get mad when something doesn't work right and she thinks i'm just worked up about it and i'm really not as worked up as i sound like i am you know what it's you know what that is what that's like <laughs> Um, but anyway, you and Lane have something in common. Yes, we do. We do. We do. Absolutely. hundred percent. So, but we're, we're working on that and we worked all day for a couple of days and everything hurt. You know how it is when you're, you're bending down, you're you do something you knees. don't normally do. Yeah. And you're, it's just, I'm just sore all over, but I hadn't run for the day <laughs> and I was so dreading getting out there and running. But I did it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's just what we have to do is those things. And the, the truth is, I didn't want to run. But because of my attitude towards running and my attitude that it's not if I'm going to run, it's when I'm going to run. It wasn't that bad mm-hmm. for a lot of people. The thought of being as, as sore and tired as I was and going for a run would be so unappealing that they would probably skip it. But, mm-hmm. you know it's practice again it's back mm-hmm. to what you were just talking about because i've done it so many times it's like it's just it's just second nature to go out there and run now did it hurt <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was hard yeah but I did it anyway so um yeah we we just can't leave ourselves an out when it comes to that kind of stuff and that right. goes for everything that we do all the things that we know that god is telling us that we we need to be doing it, it's just a matter of doing it mm-hmm. just it's just do it we dread it. We we'll spend so much time worrying about it, and the worry doesn't help us at all, and it only makes it worse. And it's like just, just again, we've talked about it a number of times. Nike knocked out of the park. Just mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, pretty simple. Yep. Um, and then I know a good way too to deal with dread um, and changing that attitude. I think is through prayer. Um, you know, sometimes you got to do something. You know, you got to go to a funeral. You know, you've been to a few funerals lately, and um, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. You don't really like to do that, but, but you want to be supportive. Though. It does. Um, but a little prayer, I think, a lot of times helps us overcome those kinds of things. Uh, I guess the question is, um, when you have those tough times, when you feel dread, where are you going? Mm-hmm. to get more comfortable about it you know are you are you worried about it under your own power or are you really taking it to god and 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 letting him bear that because mm-hmm. he wants to sure yep another question 
How does the knowledge that Jesus chose to go to the cross for you make you feel? <laughs> I mean, how do you answer that question? Yeah, I mean, just it's kind of like when we talk about eternity. We've talked about the, this on here before. It's you know, it's I think we said instead of think instead of saying eternity, say thirty-seven billion years. Is that we can relate to that? Well, it's kind of the same way with with Jesus and the cross. And it, this is going to sound bad, but I think it's reality for a lot of people. It was two thousand years ago, and we we just really can't. We can't get the gravity of it. We talked about it a while ago. So so put somebody that's in your life now that that would do what Jesus did. Not not saying anybody in your life now would but what I'm saying is is put it to somebody you know. Like I think about, you know, somebody I love mm-hmm. and they said and today today they said, Mitchell, I, I, you you did this thing. Um, and you're probably deserving of the death penalty, and I'm going to take that for you. Just don't say anything. Uh, I'm going to take that on, and I'm going to go accept the death penalty for you. Mm. Ooh, yeah. I mean, that really puts it close to you at that point. Yeah. Not not that Jesus shouldn't put it close to us, but I'm just saying, and from a practical matter, many times we, it's hard to make that connection. Yeah. But when you, when you. When you try to do things, to, there, there again, we go back to what we talked about a little while ago. Sometimes you need to do things to where you feel that sting. And we're all different in that way, but we need to find ways to feel that sting. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it's hypothetical situations. Well, what if, what if my best friend did that? Then you start to really get that lump in your throat and, you know, that, that pain in your chest. Like, I, I, would, I would feel horrible. Yeah. I would feel so grateful and thankful. I, all the emotions that you feel, we got to somehow figure out how to make that the case when we think about Jesus doing that. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to read and really dig into the scriptures of, you know, the crucifixion and the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane um, to really start to feel that agony that Jesus felt. It's not comfortable, but it's necessary yeah. for us to feel that. Yeah, I can't help when you think about the humbleness of accepting what Jesus did for us. I can't help but think I sent him there. Mm-hmm. It's my fault yep. that he was there. Just like you're talking about with that loved one who's going to take that death penalty for you. It's your fault right. that they're doing that. And that 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 to me makes the gravity of it really stand out and, and you really feel it. Um. And I think about how, think about somebody who did something, you know, the the most hurtful thing anybody ever did to you, right? Whatever that is, whatever that thing is, whoever that person is. And that's what we've done to Jesus. We've done hurtful thing after hurtful thing to him. And he still chose to do that for us. That's the hardest part for me to reconcile and the most humbling part of, of that idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Jesus died for all of us. It's really humbling. Last question. Have you accepted the miraculous gift offered to you because of Christ's sacrifice? The million dollar question. Yes. 
And I hope everybody listening to this has. And if you don't know what we're talking about, we've got a page built just for you. It's mm-hmm. runforgod.com forward slash peace with God. Go check that out um, because Rhonda really gets to the the main question. Uh, the heart of the matter here is, do you know that? And, and it's, it's not good enough just to know it. Have you accepted it? Mm-hmm. And it's free and it's simple, mm-hmm. like what we've talked about. But it it does require sacrifice, mm-hmm. um, and if you if you've accepted that, then then praise God. But if you haven't, um, today may be your day. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you think about the most incredible gift you could ever get. Think about whatever that one thing is that if you could pick out anything in the world that you would want. I don't know if it's a car or a house or a, you, the most incredible thing that you could ever think of to receive as a gift and realize that this is so much better and the delivery of it is better than Amazon Prime <laughs> I mean it's instant and it's 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 given to you quickly and it's I mean what could be better than saving your soul for eternity mm-hmm. there's nothing that could be better and it's just there waiting on the table for you mm-hmm. if you want to take it just one call. Yep. At Run for God, we care about more than just your exercise. We care about your relationship with God, and we believe that the music you listen to while you run can help you build your relationship with God. That's why we partner with J Radio. J Radio offers a variety of positive and Christian playlists to listen to while you run. You can find a playlist that I put together on the Run for God station at J Radio. All right, we're back. And, uh, you know, I saw an online discussion recently about staying hydrated. And it's one of those things that I have a mixed fe- I have mixed feelings about. I don't know if we've talked about it on here. We probably have talked about it at least some. Obviously, it is important to stay hydrated. Um, the body works best mm-hmm. if you're under optimal hydration circumstances. But I think we, we obsess over hydration. And we use hydration as an excuse when it's not really a good excuse or dehydration, I guess, when it's it's not a good excuse. We if we don't drink enough, we're convinced that if we're having a bad day, well, it's because I didn't drink enough. And could it be? Maybe. But we just obsess over it and it drives me crazy. It's just you you and I you and I see this different. Yeah. I think we always have. Yeah. I think you just drink when you're thirsty. That's what all the studies say. Drink yeah. when you're thirsty and you're fine. Yeah, but I, I kind of read through what you said, so I'm jumping yeah. ahead here. Yeah, I, I kind of compare it to you know, in our country we we have a, a a problem with obesity, so we kind of obsess on eating less, less portion size, you know, so you can lose weight and get to an optimal range, and and so we talk about it a lot. We we really drill at home that. You know, don't don't eat as much. Just eat the right portions. And so we obsess about it kind of in that frame, and that's that's good. Now, are there people that take it too far? Yeah. And the answer is yes. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't keep the narrative of eat less. Yeah. Because most people have a problem with eating less. Well, on the flip side, you know, I always really pushed – drink more water especially with our young athletes because 
most of them Don't were on the bulimic side of eating. They just they just wouldn't wouldn't drink. Yeah. So I think the the risk of somebody overhydrating it, it shouldn't stop us from pounding the drum of hydration because most people don't hydrate enough. But I also see your side. Yeah. That that for certain people they take that literally that you just can't drink enough and they wind up on the side of a race course with hyper what what do you call it? Hyponatremia. Hyponatremia. Yeah. But I don't think that should stop us from continuing to pound the drum that you got to stay hydrated. Have yeah. a water bottle with you. So, I don't know. We've well, there, had this conversation yeah, more than once. Yeah. And there are things there are there are bad things that come from being overhydrated. You know, gastric distress is a yeah. real thing yeah. from being overhydrated. Um, you know, being underhydrated is obviously a problem too. But I look at it like a, a, a you know, like a two-stroke engine. Mm-hmm. You know, where you got you got to mix the gas and the oil together, and there's a there's an optimal mixture. Right. Um, and that op- maybe that optimal mixture is forty to one. Right. And then you could mix it at thirty-five to one. You can mix it at forty-five to one. Probably going to be fine. Mm-hmm. The engine's probably still going to run. Um, but you get further away from that and it starts to become a problem and eventually it won't run. Yeah. And I'm not saying that people are going so far. I mean, you can drink too much sure. and you can certainly drink too little. Sure. But as long as you just, you know me, I keep a water bottle with me. So I stay hydrated. Sure. Uh, but I just, I always make sure, I just make sure that when I'm thirsty, there's something to drink. But the majority of people don't. Yeah. The majority of people don't have a water bottle. Yeah. They drink when they eat, and that's it. And chances are that's not enough. You, you know what's funny about that, though? What's that? Is I think about myself in back in the 80s when I was young. There was no obsession over drinking a bunch of fluids. Mm-hmm. We didn't think about it. Nobody carried a water bottle with them. There wasn't such a thing as a bottle of water back then. Right. And um, everybody was fine. <laughs> They were fine, but would they have been better if they had hydrated? Do you not feel better and run better now that you carry a water bottle with you? I don't know that it makes a difference. Stay hydrated? I don't know if it makes a difference. I mean, it might. Yeah. May not. I don't know. Well, if I know you, you don't do anything unless it makes a difference. So you're doing it. So I think somewhere subconsciously you're thinking, I feel better, right? Yeah, I guess. I guess. (laughs) Uh, I love yeah. these kind of discussions. I, I do too. I just, you know, because I don't that, think either one of us are right. It's just, no, I, it's preference and it's, it's yeah. what you think. And we love to argue sometimes. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun. Yeah. yeah. But I, I see somebody that's like, they're going to go for a three mile hike. Right. Mm-hmm. And they've got to, they got to bring a hundred ounces of water. <laughs> they with got them a go camel for, back on their back. Yeah. Yeah. For a three <laughs> yeah, mile hike. It. And yeah. It's like, that's over. You don't need that. Yeah. But, they really think they're going to, I remember, I remember we, Debbie and I were out in um, Utah mm-hmm. and it was, a, it literally was 114 degrees outside and we were going on this hike. Well, it, the hike was like, it was like a, a mile out and then a mile back. Mm-hmm. We didn't carry any water with us and people were stopping us and telling us, you need water. You can't be out here without water. Like. No, really, we're fine. (laughs) We're we're okay. We're going to be gone for, you know, an hour and we're going to be fine. We drank up. We were were well hydrated before we started. The water industry has done a good job of marketing. Yes, they have. (laughs) That is true. Water, water bottles, water containers, camelbacks. Yeah, I get it. 
Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, there's a there's a place in between there. I just I just don't want to see people make excuses and 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 make themselves weaker by thinking that I can't I, go on that run today because I didn't drink enough. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That that's yep. All right, it's time for Dean's thoughts, and that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. Now you like simplicity. I know that about you. And this is a story about why simplicity makes sense. It's called Occam's Razor. Simplicity rules. Have you ever heard the term Occam's Razor? Basically, Occam's Razor is a thought process that postulates that the simplest explanation, the one that requires the fewest assumptions, is usually the correct one. Let's look at an example. Have you ever texted someone and then did not receive a reply right away or even within an hour or two? What do you think happened? The most likely answer is that either they were too busy to answer, their battery died on their phone, or they're in an area with no service. The less likely answer is that the person on the other end is upset with you about something and purposefully does not want to respond. You see, the dead battery only requires one assumption. The idea that someone is not answering because she is upset with you and requires you to assume that she is upset about something and chose not to call you as a result. The simple answer is usually the right one. Of course, we may all be guilty of assuming the worst in that situation. There are many examples. Do I have a headache from dehydration or do I have cancer? Did, did a, a dog get into my trash or is there a burglar prowling the neighborhood? You can come up with your own, I'm sure. We often tend to overcomplicate things by making too many assumptions. Now, it is quite possible that the more complex answer is correct, but very often the simpler answer is the right one. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Running is simple. We tend to overcomplicate it. We have a bad day running and we blame our food for being de- or, or being dehydrated when we're just having a bad day. We tend to think we need to run on run super complicated workouts and crazy mileage in order to com- complete a marathon when it is simply not true. The simple formula is to run as many days a week as is practical for you, run fast at least one day a week, and run long one day a week, and you'll be fine. If all you did was use that simple formula, you'd go a long way toward any running goal. You might need a little more to reach your absolute potential, but how many of us have a burning desire to cut three seconds from our best 5K? Not many. Keep it simple. Of course, don't ever forget one other simple concept. Consistency is still king when it comes to training. If you do what I outlined above and do it consistently, you'll reap the rewards. I can't help but think about how this applies to God. You will often find that very intelligent people are the atheists. I think their problem is that they think the answer to to the how we all got here has to be something complicated. But I've always said it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does to believe God spoke the world into existence. Using Occam's razor, you can see that a belief in God requires far less assumptions than belief in evolution. In our case, you simply assume that God exists and then everything falls into place. With evolution, you have to assume that many, many unlikely things had to happen to start the process. You have to believe that things became more ordered over time, which is the exact opposite of the second law of thermodynamics, which states that things become less ordered over time. Yes, an atheist must have more faith than I do because than I do to believe what he believes. 
Use Occam's razor the next time you're trying to decide between two answers. How many times do we assume the worst when Occam's razor shows us that we should usually assume the less sinister option? Keep things simple. Your training, your relationships, and your faith, and you are more likely than not to be right on target. That's a great story, Dean. I love that. Have you ever heard of that concept of Occam's razor? I, I know the concept. I didn't know it had a name. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I do love that. <laughs> yeah, I actually had this. Um, <laughs> I had this conversation with Lane just last week. Not not the whole calling it for what it is or, yeah. or whatever. We were, He was doing a track workout, and, and Lane has gotten – I don't know why. Well, I do know why. He 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 tracks his heart rate. He tracks all these different things, and and that's great. Yeah. But that can also be a crutch sometimes. And Lane come up to me. He's probably not gonna like me telling this, but I'm gonna tell it anyway. He came up to me during a workout. We were. It was gonna be. It was. Um. I'm trying to think of what the workout was. Anyway, it was supposed to stay in his tempo pace. Well, he come up. Uh, right before the last rep and said, do you think I need to back it down a little bit because my heart rate was getting kind of out of my aerobic zone, getting in an anaerobic, and I said, no. And he kind of looked at me like I had three heads because he's supposed to stay yeah. in his aerobic zone. Mm-hmm. But he knew, and I knew, that he was about to go above that. And I just said no, and he 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 did it. And But later we got to talking, and I said you know, there, there was a lesson there that I, I don't, yeah, that was probably not optimal from a training standpoint for you to go above that. But what I don't want is for those decisions to be made in the moment because there, there's something in the brain that, yes, there's a, a legitimate reason, but there's also part of it that's an excuse yeah. to slow down. And I said, keeping that keeping that thought to i'm gonna hit these paces no matter what is much better than allowing yourself for whatever reason good or bad to um what's the word i'm looking for to settle yeah um and i don't know if that goes to this rule or not because what it was was i was trying to get him to the point to say Get rid of all the reasons. Get rid of all the rationalization. Get, yeah. Go back to Occam's rule. Yeah. What's the What's the real reason? Yeah. This was hard, and I want to slow down a little bit. Yeah. And you find that we we all do it. I'm not oh, saying sure. anything about language. We all yeah. do that in the moment sometimes. So it's it's why it's never many times it's not good to make training decisions in the moment mm-hmm. because they may be on paper legitimate, but the mind you can't put on paper yeah and you're allowing yourself um wiggle room which is never good yeah. in, in training because we can always find a reason it's too hot i might die yeah out here on on yeah. this well no chances are you're not i love the occam's rule yeah it's call it what it is yeah. you just don't want to go out in the heat yeah 
but we'll but, rationalize all these other things. Yeah, and we we all know people who they every every thought is and, and our world is this way. We we make all these assumptions. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody said something and we we're ascribing their intentions to whatever it is they said, and we have no idea what they were thinking when yeah. they said it, and yeah. we have no idea whether they meant exactly what they said. We've all said something in, in the end go, Oh, hold on a second. I didn't mean that the way that just came out. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um because that's not what was really going through their head. And and so yeah, the the idea of being and just to be clear, I'm not saying Lane was looking for and it like because Lane yeah. is not one that no. looks for excuses. But it just it hit me in that moment that okay, here's a crossroads. You can, as a coach, we don't even need to crack that door open at all. Yeah. And some coaches might say, "No, you should have kept him under threshold." Well, yeah, I disagree because right. I think mentally there's so many more lessons that we need to get down pat yeah. than there are physical ones. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm siding with you on that one. This whole atheism versus Christian thing has always been a fascinating yeah. Yeah. argument to me because it really does require more faith to be an atheist than sure. it does a Christian because there's, there is a I – don't, I don't know that people the, – the average person who believes in evolution – does not realize how many assumptions you have to make to believe in evolution because we have we have very we have no evidence that anything has ever evolved from one thing to another thing we do have evidence that people that things evolve in a micro way but not in a macro way yeah and so we're making tons and tons of of, of assumptions to do that and it when when you when you say God spoke of the world into existence. He created the world, and this is the history of the world. Everything falls into place, mm. and everything makes sense. You one assumption, everything else is right. Whereas in the uh, call it the scientific community, because science ba- science actually backs up Christianity, and that's another false thing that you hear all the time. Is you hear people saying, "Well, I believe in science. I don't believe in God because I believe in science." If you believe in <laughs> I mean, it, it, how many times, and, it, and it, it happens every year, we never hear about it, but what happens is there are things written in the Bible that that we're like, we, we think it's a fictional story, and then archaeological scientists. scientists go out there and they find something that gives evidence for what was written in the Bible. Sure. I mean, if you just think about the creation account and how... Uh, how things were created and a lot of the wording and things that are used in, even in just in the, in the creation account you think about when it when that was written and mm-hmm. think why would anybody know the assumptions that they made to write that why would somebody know those assumptions well, they know those assumptions because God gave them to us sure so yeah it all just makes sense it drives me crazy to hear <laughs> to hear people Tell argue how you really feel Dean yeah you know <laughs> but simplicity Simplicity is a way to go. Um, Simplicity is key, and so is consistency. Yep. And running is simple. Yeah, I mean, think about, you know, and and we have training plans, even though I argue that we keep our training plans very simple. But, you know, maybe you're out there and you're uh, just, you know, I don't want to run or whatever. Okay, think about if, if you just walked three miles a day. You would be in better shape than, I don't know, what do you think, 90%? 
probably a, of the population at least 80 percent yeah you would be in better shape than i mean so just maybe you're out there and you're saying oh, this running thing's just not for me just find find some part of what we're doing here whether yeah. it's the walking or or maybe you do the 5k challenge over and over you have no desire to go on to a, a half marathon if you did the 5k challenge as simple as it is and as simple as we keep it you know we have really no speed work yeah. in the 5k challenge yeah but if you did that just back to back every every quarter you did the 5k challenge you'll be fitter than probably 90 percent of the population at that point but you'll also get faster yeah even with no speed work yeah because you just get better consistency you get more fit you lose more weight you you learn the principles of okay, I don't feel like doing this today, just to your point earlier, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. All of those things. Well, yes, we have the Marathon Challenge, and it's incredible to see all the stories that are coming out of this, but this whole ministry was founded on the 5K Challenge. Yeah. And if you just do the simple things, even walking, just walking will, will get you to where you want to be, will get the majority of the people where they want to be Physically, from a weight standpoint, all things can be fixed with simplicity and consistency. Yeah. But so many times we tend to want to complicate it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, because we've gotten the emails. Well, why don't you have speed work in the 5K challenge? Because we don't want complexity. Mm-hmm. We don't. And we have very little in all the other, other challenges. Yeah. But, and even when we do, we keep it pretty simple. Pretty simple. I mean, there's some complex speed workouts you can do out there that will help you get one percent more but we understand that's not where the secret is yeah but so many programs out there will say there's you got to have this it's got to be complex to work and that's just not true that's absolutely 100 percent. do you struggle with motivation to exercise are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it. With the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face, whether you're participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at www.runforgod.com. All right, we're back. I just had a, a Diamond League meet in Rabat, uh, Morocco. Did uh-huh. you see any of that? Mm, no. It is a really <laughs> weird thing that happened in the 1500. Like, this is like the best people in the world running yeah. the 1500 meters. And the gun went off, and about four of the competitors were still standing on the starting line. And they were all looking around with their arms out. You could hear the gun on the television, at least. I don't know what they did. But they didn't call them back. They just kept the race going. So those guys, just one of those guys that stood on the line for an extra three seconds, wound up finishing third in the race. And it was just, it was really strange. I've, I don't know that I've ever seen that happen in a professional race like that. Now, I say I didn't see that. I, we watched some meet when we were in Florida last week. 
It was, may have been it. It was Oregon. It was in Oregon. No, this one was in Oregon. Mm. What was in Oregon this past week? The Prefontaine. Yeah, yeah. You probably the saw the Prefontaine Classic. Classic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was uh, that was pretty interesting. Yeah. We were really floored at, you're going to have to help me, the the miler, that he didn't do any better than he did. Uh, Not Jakob Ingebrigtsen? Ingebrigtsen. Yeah. 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 Wasn't he kind of pretty far off from his PR? Yeah, but he won the race. Yeah, but they were. Well, I mean, I guess they do that with all these races. But Lane was saying that they were touting the Prefontaine Classic. Yeah. There were all all these world records, and we were like, "Huh, that's kind of." I mean, we were watching it in a restaurant. We were like, "Oh, we're going to see a world because it had." I don't know the guys. Lane knew every one of them. It evidently had all the big players. In oh it. yeah, it, was, it was a stacked race, and yeah. you just think this is going to be. But he ran off and left everybody, and then his comment after. Did you see his comment? I didn't see that. They were interviewing him. He said, it's a shame that most people don't want to be better. I mean, it was a shot at the rest of the field. And I was like, whoa. Whoa. Because they were asking him how the race played out. And I think maybe maybe he wanted the race to To go faster faster so there might be a record of some sort. And, uh, yeah, he just took a swap. You need to go wow. look that up. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the Ingebrigtsons, the whole family, the father and all three of his two brothers also, they're all pretty outspoken. Really? They're all, yeah, they're all pretty plain spoken. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. Um, well, they, they in this past weekend's race, they had Karsten Warholm. You remember, I don't know if you remember him. Karsten Warholm's the 400-meter hurdler. I still, to this day, I still think he and Rye Benjamin and Dos Santos in the uh, Olympics was the greatest race I've ever seen in my life. Hmm. Um, but he pulled up lame after the first hurdle. Really? So he's got a he's got a bum hamstring. Not sure what happened there. It was weird though. One of the weird things that happened was he pulls up lame. That you know the the TV cameras keep you know they show the race. So the race lasts forty seven seconds and it's over. And then they show immediately after the race they show Karsten Warholm, and he's already got an ice pack on his leg. That looks suspicious to me. Like. A minute after he pulls up, he's got an ice pack on his leg. How did they get an ice pack to him that fast is my question. You you worry about, I just talked about keeping things simple and not assuming things, but it's like, why was there an ice pack that close to him? Because he was still on the second turn with an ice pack on his leg as he's walking. I don't know. I thought it somebody was somebody come running out to him with an ice pack. Apparently so. In a and somebody already bandaged. To- somebody already had it, it prepared. So... Yeah, it was just kind of weird. I don't know. Uh, Sydney McLaughlin, I don't know if you saw this. This was very interesting. So this happened up at the Music City Track Carnival up in um, uh, Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee. Sydney McLaughlin, you know who she is. She's the 400-meter hurdler who's set the world record. She ran just a fraction of a second off the world record in this race, but it doesn't count. What happened was they had one of the hurdles was in the wrong place. Mm. So they set the hurdle in the wrong place, and so they can't count as a world record. Here's the weird thing, though, is having a hurdle in the wrong place, you would assume you down. would make it worse. Yeah. But, the yeah. So I thought that Somebody was. Somebody had one job. That was fascinating. One job. <laughs> yeah. I also <laughs> saw in that Prefontaine Classic, um, the girl that was, I mean, she's the big name in Steeplechase for years. Um, she finished dead last. What was her name? Um, I'm trying. American. Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about blonde headed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, her name's escaping. That was really surprising. They were they were talking about that that 
Just, yeah. Because I think she was. There were two the, Americans, and they were both back. But both. Yeah, she both was. Her this and, one was like the gold medalist back in. Yeah. Whenever. Well, her uh, teammates that was a silver medalist in that same world championships. Yeah. And uh, they both were were way back. They were never in the race. Her name. Yeah. Uh, It'll come to me in a minute. It will. I'm a senior. Having a senior moment. I'm not a senior. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And now we got a bunch of high school athletes running stupid fast. So I don't know if this is related to the shoes or whatever, but all of a sudden we've had four sub four minute miles this year in high school. And one of them was a junior, which he's the first junior to break four minutes in the in the mile since Jim Ryan did it in 1964. Hmm. So um, it, it's weird that we're having all of these because there's still I think there's less than 20 total high schoolers who have run under four minutes for a mile. And now there's four this year in the last couple of weeks. It's really it's really crazy. Emma Coburn. Emma Coburn. Yeah. Yeah. That's the steeplechaser. Yep. Yep. Oh, well. Well, hopefully she'll get back into it by the time uh, the world championships come around in about yeah. six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with high school athletes, but all of a sudden they're crazy fast. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of them are coming from one school, at least in cross country. Yeah. What's the school in California um, where you're seeing all these standouts come from? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I can't remember now. Another senior moment. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. Um, and then Sha'Carri Richardson's back, and she's feuding with somebody on Twitter. You know, <laughs> she just, that. golly, that just drives me crazy. So, But she ran well, so we'll see. We'll see what yeah. happens with her. Uh, and then I thought this was interesting. Two women believe they have broken a world record after running 106 marathons in 106 days. Faye Cunningham and Emma Petrie from Aberdeenshire, um, which were, that's over in England. No, Scotland, I think. Um, Beat the previous Guinness World Record by 11 marathons. And so um, they started on the 19th of February. They were raising money for charity. Um, They each wore out seven pairs of running shoes and lost 11 pounds during this whole ordeal. Um, And they were eating an extra 4,000 calories a day. So that's what uh, enough running will do for you. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that anybody should do this, but uh, they figured out how to just get into a conversational pace and just became, you know, it just it's funny what the human body will do. Sure. It just got used to doing that day after day. And she was able to they were able to just continue to do that. So these two ladies kind of did it together, which is pretty cool. So um and apparently the the Guinness Book of World Record folks are going to go out there and they're going to see if they can certify this thing. Um, the current world record is held by Alyssa Clark, who's an American. So they, they run the same course every day? No, no. Oh, okay. No, different things. Different places. Yep, yep. So lots of cool stuff happening right now um, in running. The College Track and Field Hall of Fame. There was never such a thing for college track and field. Well, they just inducted 30 people into the uh, – College now they don't have a place for it yet. They don't have a building that has all, but but there's they're starting this this process. So hmm. that's pretty that's cool. Pretty cool. Um, and then we talk about keeping things simple and people doing wrong things. And the Stockholm Marathon, which is a fairly sizable marathon, had some world class people in it. The top three guys were turned the wrong way by volunteers. That's amazing in a race 
that large. But we know how it can happen oh, so easy. Uh, it, for sure. <laughs> yep. Yep. Now, they still wound up running 211. Now, okay, so those guys should have known. They should know you what You would the think they probably ran the course at some time in the months leading into that. Guess not. At, at that level. Yeah. So, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can you can put a little bit of blame on the volunteer or whoever, but like, yeah. we, like we used to tell the little kids, yeah. it's your responsibility to know the course. That's right. Absolutely. All right. So how about a trivia question for next week? There is one men's NCAA cross-country team that has dominated NCAA cross-country by winning five of the last six titles. What school is it? And as a bonus, how many individual titles has that team won with the, along with those four or five uh, team championships? Do you know who it is? Two teams think? come to mind when I hear dominant cross country. I yeah. don't know which team it is. Yeah. Well, I think I might know. Well, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. And if you know the answer to that, you can send the answer to dean at runforgod.com. And if you are the first person to send an email to dean at runforgod.com, then you will receive a run club tumbler. Hmm. And everybody needs one of those. They do. So uh, the best way to do that is to get it for free by answering a trivia question, right? All right, every week I share a reason why running is so awesome, and this week um, it is this. Runners keep better tabs on their health. And you think about that. We were just talking about Lane and about how, how in tune he is with his heart rate. Many runners are. They pay attention to their resting heart rate, and they, sure. uh, runners, they're, they're more concerned typically about what they eat. Um, runners are that would just pay more attention to our, our health in every way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes, you know, part of what makes us healthier is the running itself, but it's also the fact that we're just, we're more concerned about it. Mm-hmm. And so that's a pretty cool thing to, to know. Um, so <laughs> what's weird about it is runners obsess over their health more than most people do, but runners need to obsess over their health less than sure. most people. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so it, it is cool. Our motivational thought of the week. Keep on going, and the chances are that you will stumble on something, perhaps when you are least expecting it. I never heard of anyone stumbling on something sitting down. <laughs> never heard that. I like that. That comes from Charles F. Kettering. Yeah, yeah. That's the beauty of just keep you just keep moving. Just yeah. keep doing, and something will come up. We cover more ground. Uh, when we're moving faster and when we're moving and uh, if you want to stumble into something cover more ground and <laughs> you get a better chance that's pretty cool uh, and when you get old like me chances are the stumbling uh, is more likely well just put me on the trails and it'll happen <laughs> yeah yeah now i've gotten better i haven't i give my uh I give my my college girls credit i can walk and stumble on trails i don't know what it is roots yeah. just i don't see them i don't Maybe yeah. I don't pick my feet up enough. I don't know, but I cannot do trails. Well, I think I've told this story before. You know, I, back years ago when I was recruiting Catherine, um, our number one runner, um, I promised her that if she came to Dalton State to run, that we would run more on trails. And so I've kept my promise, and we've run more on trails. And consequently, I've run more on trails, which sure. means I've gotten better at it, and I don't fall on trails. Any. It's been a long time since I fell on a trail. Hmm. So 
Um, now that I said that, of course, I'm going to fall and tomorrow. You're fall this afternoon. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Let us all know next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, until next week, may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.